Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, whenever you're listening. I've spoken to technically speaking. I am Aaron. I am joined by Peter on episode 19, Believe It or Not. How you doing, man? It's been so long since we last recorded. It has been so long since we last recorded. About uh, a week. Wink, wink. Uh, I mean, it's been about an hour, on. It has been about we an hour. We just enjoyed a lovely, a lovely a wholesome Chinese uh, meal. <laughs> <laughs> What's that from again? Um, they spoke about it on the Looking Pete show, is it not? This oh. Australian guy, and he's just like, uh, he got arrested for... Um, <laughs> yeah. He would go to restaurants and walk out without paying. Aye. It's like, what are you arresting me for? Enjoying a succulent Chinese meal? A wholesome Chinese meal. I uh, see you have been practicing your... Say, I've just realised, you, so we're talking about an Australian guy, you've done an English accent, and then I've just jumped on that bandwagon. But he doesn't have an Australian accent, I don't think, in the video. Right. I don't think I'll he does. I'll to listen back. Right, um, do you want me to find it? Aye, but just the way I talk people through, saying that... Um, this is episode 19 of this podcast, uh, we're hopefully getting better as we go and we're, we're doing more episodes, we're picking up on things that people like, people don't like. Mr. Bannock, you just assured me that I could speak. <laughs> it's like, it's 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 like an English-Australian accent. This is Democracy Manifest. Have a look at the headlock here. See that chap over there? Get your hand off my penis! This is the bloke who got me on the penis before. Get some cups. Why did you do this to me? In the car. Get some cups. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? Oh, that's a nice headlock, sir. Oh, yes. I see that you know your judo well. I see that you know your judo well. That's it. So can you look up where he's from? I'm sure that this is in Australia, but he's no, it's definitely Australian. I think he is Australian because there was there was notes of it in there. I just think he might be fantastic. Maybe like an expat or something. What like a voice! Fantastic. He does sound like somebody, but I can't quite put my finger on who it is. So we just enjoyed a succulent. A <laughs> I went to say succulent Chinese, but we didn't even have Chinese, so that's what was in my head. A succulent. Scottish meal. I wouldn't even say Scottish meal. I'd just say you had haggis fries. Aye, you had a Scottish meal. Aye, hag- I putting haggis on anything doesn't make it Scottish. Oh, what does it make it? Well, like, so right. If I take so basically fries are from uh, French fries are from Brussels, believe it or not. Oh wow! Uh, and then haggis is obviously a, a Scottish delicacy, of course. And then I would say that peppercorn sauce is not. Necessarily anything, so like, we'll go half Belgian, half Scottish. All right, uh, a Belgian Scots meal, and then you had macaroni cheese. I really, <laughs> a really you, out uh, there choice. As you can tell, we take care of ourselves here. Uh, at technically, a speaking. healthy diet on um, this uh, beautiful Saturday afternoon. So we're we going to get into a couple of things, but just before we do, the first thing I would like to say is that if you'd like to get in touch with us for any reason, uh, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say any of us would. Uh, be particularly great at being like agony uncles of any kind like that but you know if you've got anything in pressing you just want to just want to let us know then feel free but I think I think what what I think would be really cool is um, for folk that are listening to actually to get involved in the debate and ah, yeah, you know we discuss a lot of things and we'll go on to discuss some quite interesting things that I hadn't look, looked up or kind of known before today's podcast and um, getting other people's opinions and getting their their thoughts and things is um, it's one of the, the cooler things 
about the podcast and kind of getting the community involved in that way, would Aye. you agree? Ah, yeah, so that's what we want to do. Um, but more importantly, if you just want to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. Aye, that would be fantastic on uh, on iTunes. Um, so, in our last podcast, we were speaking about the Nintendo Wii. Yes. And we kind of went on a little bit of a detour <laughs> on our kind of childhood, Aye. would it be fair to say? Aye. And, you know, we'd, we'd been kind of looking at businesses and companies from our childhood. And um, what, what was a particular company that you kind of showed a particular fondness to? Uh, one, one that I remembered was uh, Blockbuster. Um, a big company back in the day. Uh, one that was everywhere, really. Uh, and very sadly, but, you know, deservedly is the wrong word. So for, for folk that are... For folk that are younger than us, because I think that people about our age are maybe the last generation definitely to prob- properly experience it. Even even people who are maybe like five, six years younger than us. Even they, late 90s, they're they, struggling. They would have not really experienced that. I want to say Blockbuster shot when we were about eight or nine, ten. Um, that's when it really started to fall. Yeah, so ten was probably like the point where it really started to go off a cliff. Aye. Well, I mean, if you look it up in 2004, it was in nine, uh, 9,094 stores worldwide. So we were nine at that point. So we, were, uh-huh. so we were first starting to really rent DVDs more. Videos. Videos and DVDs. Aye. Um, about that age. That would have been like the, the kind of awkward age where you wanted to watch like a, a 12A. Uh-huh. You weren't, you weren't allowed to watch age? a 12 I remember going fi- to see 15s were out of the question. I remember... Um, Watching a James Bond movie. I want to say Casino Royale came around. Casino came Royale around, was a few years after that. I'm thinking, I mean... I definitely surely, went to see... I surely Brosnan was Bond. It was Bond. Bonds. Uh, definitely, I definitely remember going to see a James Bond Casino movie Casino was 2006. Like 2006 would that have been, would have been we P7. Were P6, so we would have been 11. Aye. So I remember, I remember going to the showcase to see that and being... It was obviously a 12A, so it was parents dictated whether you're allowed to see it and I remember being absolutely buzzing so that's crazy that that came out around that kind of era because uh-huh. that's very two distinct memories in my mind is going to the cinema to see a 12A but then Blockbuster and we had a, a global video it's a global video global video um, um, was that the name of it? I think it would have been um, there's like Hollywood video as well and then family video but I think they, they sound distinctly American yeah um, global video was the one that um, I remember I remember that look at that we're looking it up right now it's headquarters it was a Glaswegian company um, it went defunct according to Wikipedia in the June of 2006 yeah there was one of them in Brachny Barachini Barachini um, so Blockbuster um, so talk me through obviously folk will, re- will know Blockbuster, not around anymore. But how, how did that actually come to fruition? And how did some of the... I know that Netflix almost had a hand in saving them. Well... But didn't. So by, I'd, by I'd almost love, had a hand... I would love for you to kind of go into that story. Well, basically, um, Blockbuster... It's just... It's kind of sad, I think. They basically failed to adapt to a changing market, a changing... Like world, and you know they just they, and you've mentioned Netflix there, and it's actually quite important to mention. So people think that Netflix uh, basically just came and crushed Blockbuster, 
But in 2000, the guy who founded Netflix offered to uh, sell Netflix to Blockbuster for $50 million. And the CEO of Blockbuster rejected it as he thought it was a very small niche business. And at that time, Netflix were doing DVD rental. Uh, yeah, and they still are, which we'll get onto as well. So back in 2000, Netflix, the company that we know and love for bringing us all of the streaming TV and binge TV, kind of as we know it, back in the day, they were essentially a DVD rental service that were online. So rather than you going to visit Blockbuster or wherever to go and get your DVDs, you would book them all online and they would get sent out to you. Now, I want to say there was a competitor to Netflix that got bought over by Amazon. Am I right in saying that? Uh, potentially, that's that's probably what led to Prime Video. Um, but basically, why... So I've, I've found quite a good article that sort of describes in four very like simple sentences why love Blockbuster film. fails. It was called Love, love film. film. Oh my God, do Love Film. Love I do, actually. So Amazon bought Love Film. I totally forgot about Love Film. So Love Film was the the DVD rental platform for the UK, I want to say. Love Film. Aye. I remember seeing adverts for Love Film. Everywhere. My God. That's right out of the blue. Basically, Blockbuster failed um, mainly down to, as I said, it's it's model to, I mean, brittleness would maybe be a way to describe it because they did not change. And then began to lose money big time and then it just snapped and all came falling in how, how fast do you know do you know how long so there's actually happened? on this article again a very quite an interesting graph of the sort of trajectory between 2004 and 2010 of blockbuster and netflix okay so in 2004 netflix made about half a billion revenue crazy that they were so big even as a small company uh, and Blockbuster made 6 billion so Blockbuster was 12 times the size in revenue wow uh, and then midway 2009 their streams met at 2 billion so Blockbuster lost 4 billion pounds in revenue in like 5 and a half years and Netflix quadrupled then Netflix was at 2.2 billion in 2010 as Blockbuster went bankrupt wow Um so Netflix has just kind of been steadily growing and then as the major competitor in terms of business model goes out the market, they then become well, ne- Netflix. the de facto way of renting or or streaming movies. Is that is that kind of the best way of describing Net- it? Netflix is now a $28 billion company. So they've, they've done well. They have. They've done all right. And I know, I know that like inflation and stuff will take a thing to do with that in terms of the actual amounts. You could probably calculate how much I but at the same Six time, billion two billion to twenty-eight is still a fourteen times. Yeah, a fourteen fourteen-fold increase. I mean, in nine years, that's not bad. Um, and now everyone's got a Netflix account. Not everyone pays for Netflix. There's someone that pays for it and gives everyone else the password. I'm that person. You that guy. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Are you I'm that not, guy? My dad's that guy. Oh, <laughs> he's a good man. Well, I had it for a while and then I can't remember what happened. I think my dad set up an account too and I thought, what was the point in me paying and you both paying? So um, I cancelled mine and 
never looked back. Um, Thank you, Dad, if you're listening. So basically, to Netflix. Netflix's uh, uh, not Netflix's sorry, Blockbuster's total equity in 2010 when it folded was minus 582 million dollars. And I mean, it had, it had, had 25,000 employees. It wasn't a, an inconsiderable company. I always wonder how companies get into such large amounts of debt. Like, what companies are writing them credit lines to <sighs> get into that amount of debt? Total sideshow. I don't really want to discuss it. It's just something I've always found really curious. Uh, it's a bit strange. But like, maybe, like, if companies go and say, you know, there's, like, jobs that are going to be lost. and But it, there comes a point, and it should be quite simple, quite easy to recognise that money's just getting thrown down a black hole and that was totally. what happened to a blockbuster but i mean it's sad but what are your do you, do you have fond memories of going to blockbuster i have very fond memories of there was a blockbuster maybe a five ten minute drive from where i lived growing up and i was fun it was like right saturday or a friday night we'll drive down to blockbuster we'll pick two or three movies. We'd only ever watch one. But because uh-huh. you had a blockbuster card, you could get a couple and then uh-huh. it, would be, it was like the same cost, I think. We'd watch one, maybe watch another the next day and then we'd take it back on Sunday night. And that was just kind of what I knew. Like when Anton Dex Saturday Night Takeaway or when there wasn't like Pop Idol or anything like that on. Pop Idol. But see shows like that, uh-huh. they would always take away from blockbuster. Like we'd already have nonsense to watch. But at other times, I always remember, like, right, we'll go to Blockbuster, we'd maybe get a chippy or some food in, get, get, watch a wee DVD, Aye. a wee classic, it's good. Or a wee video. I think, I think what's so nice about it is the fact that once you committed, that's what you had to watch. Aye. But you felt more invested in it. And I really, I kind of miss that when it comes to using Netflix and Amazon Prime now. I'm so overwhelmed with the amount of choice that it just makes me indecisive. Aye. See if I could like take a movie out of Netflix and be like, right. I now have to watch that. I now have to watch this. Or I'm giving it back in two days and I'll look like a weirdo if I go and rent it again. Like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like um, the commitment side of Blockbuster actually made me appreciate what I was watching a lot more. People, um... <coughs> Aye, and people people tend to like the tangible as well. You get certain people who still buy CDs, even though you can get everything on Spotify and that kind of it's thing. It's literally so. one of the biggest sellers in the business, the retro, is uh-huh. vinyl. And a lot of young people subscribe because they want that physical, tangible... And as again, people younger than us might not really know. Yeah, like, I would find tangible. A, I couldn't imagine having a world where... You never really knew. Like, the generation that are growing up now, there's a good chance we'll never even know Blu-ray. Like, see a baby that's born in 2019? I don't think they'll ever know what... Not that they won't know what a Blu-ray is, but they'll never experience seek out a Blu-ray in the same way that we had the the DVD we, we've, to Blu-ray trend. We'd actually... I would say that the, the, we were born at like the perfect time to have both, and we can appreciate both. Yeah. Um... Because obviously there's people older than us who turn around and go, I remember when there was properly nothing. And uh-huh. I think that's cool. But I think our age is cool because we got to live through a real transitional period of DVD to Blu-ray to streaming like in less than Blink 10 years. Blink of an eye. Aye. And it's cool how the internet and internet speeds has enabled streaming to take over in such a massive way. Aye. That, that the whole Hollywood industry has totally changed because of it. Like... 
a lot, a lot totally changed because of it. So basically, uh, I mean, but not all of it. Another as we'll, fact, as we'll go on to talk about, we will talk about it. Uh, another wee quick fact, right? So obviously, Netflix was offered to Blockbuster for fifty million dollars in two thousand, which in the same year Blockbuster took in eight hundred million dollars in late fees. Which is solely so they, in late so fees. So they could have bought Netflix for one. So if they would have, if of all of their late fees, put one out of every sixteen dollars away, they Netflix. could have bought Netflix. My question is, would Netflix have launched a streaming platform if they'd been bought? See, that was the thing I was thinking. Obviously, chaos theory takes hold and stuff, um, because you would think then that the CEO of Netflix would say, "Well, I'll, I'll jump ship because I've sold to you. I've got my fifty million. I'll go and do whatever I want with." Yeah. Um, love film could have been Netflix. <laughs> I know. Well, love film now, Amazon Prime now. Um, so, it just made a wee comment about tangible there. Um, DVD rentals in twenty nineteen seems a bit strange. Retro. It does seem a bit retro. Um, seems like a waste of cabinet space. It does. So you have you you done a bit of digging. Safe to say. I did when you were speaking about. Um, blockbuster and stuff I kind of obviously wanted to know a rough history of how Blockbuster kind of its demise my experience of it was just there was a store in Bayliston then there wasn't and then there was kind of that in limbo period where my dad and family were buying DVDs and Blu-ray and it was like right cool we've got a we've got a Netflix account and that was kind of that's kind of the way it's been up until now Aye. but um, there was an article posted um, only three hours ago so a little wee shout out to um, a website known as The Motley Fool, <laughs> who have the domain fool.com. Uh, that's F O L. Um, and they put up an article today speaking about how Netflix um, still has, wait for it, 2.7 million DVD subscribers. I didn't even know Netflix still offered a DVD subscription service. And see if you think about that as well. That's about ha- That would be if half the people in Scotland took DVD rental. Guess how much profit it made in the last quarter? It's right there for you. I was going, to say, I was going to say, I mean, I was, just, I was thinking roughly $52 million. You got it in one, mate. Well, That's a fantastic There you go. Um, a DVD rental? And, uh, not even Blu-ray. We're talking proper digital versatile disc. I know, it's wild, man. Uh, is it available in the UK? Not available in the UK. Now that that it actually says temporarily temporarily unavailable. So it might be, and we just don't know. Um, I mean that number that it put up there was an American number. It must be a US based thing. Yeah, well, Netflix are American based, but yeah. So two point seven million people still subscribed. In the last quarter, it made $52 million in profit. So that's not revenue, that's profit. Profit. So that's about, a few t- times that by four, that's a year, about $200 million a year business. <laughs> Insane to think. I mean, I, I, would, I would happily um, accept a $200 million a year Aye. business. So it says here, by 2006, Netflix had racked up 6.2 million DVD by mail subscribers. The next year, it then launched the streaming service that me and you and I'm sure all of our listeners have came to know and love. And kind of since then, it has um, just kind of been dwindling in terms of the subscription numbers. But as much as they're, it's constantly going down, it's still 2.7 million. Uh-huh. That's wild. There's still a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so there will come a critical point 
where it hits, where it's where it then begins to, you know, it'll get towards the break-even point of the break-even chart. Um, well, and, I'm, and I'm also, I'd also be, um, I'd, I'd, sorry, I would also kind of imagine that as those numbers go down, all they need to do is send an email out to all the subscribers. Most of those people are converting from DVD by mail to streaming. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think, now they're saying that they're losing subscribers. They'll be gaining them I back. Th- I think they're just moving them over from one to another. I think they'll try and phase it out and just try and get everyone on the streaming. I think they'll say, in a couple of years' time, right, we've got one million subscribers left, let's just all give them a streaming plan so that when they log in, they're just taken to Netflix's dashboard. I mean, I'm seeing it says there they've got 100,000 DVD options, whereas they've got 6,000 TV shows on Netflix. So you've got a hell of a lot more choice. Yeah. But, so I mean, at the same time, 100,000 DVD options, does that mean 100,000 unique DVDs? Or is there duplicates? We'll never know. But it's If it says options, I would yeah. imagine that that is just... That's an incomprehensible amount of DVDs. But do you think that's a lot of historical stuff as well? There will be a lot in there. Yeah. But I mean, if you've got 19 times, roughly, the, the option. Yeah, so... We weren't able to get the actual website up, but um, we've managed to see from this article from our good pals at the, f- the Motley Fool, um, the standard DVD plan is seven ninety nine a month. This is American dollars. And you can have unlimited rentals, but you can only have one disc rented out at a time. For an extra $2 a month, the premier plan, you can have two discs rented out at one time. This must have been what my dad had at Blockbuster. We could rent more than one at the same time. Yes. Um, there's also an HD Blu-ray and DVD option with a 9.99 standard plan and then a 14.99 Premier plan. So if you steep, want steep. two two Blu-rays out at any one time, they are a costly 15 bucks a month. Yeah, man, that's. But there's no late fees, so losing out on it. So it's not like it's not like even the money that they're making. Is contributed by like that similar eight hundred million dollars that Blockbuster obviously. Well, that was that was sixteen percent of Blockbuster's revenue. Yeah, so it's um, it's quite funny to think about like they, that that money that they're making is purely purely operational profit. It's not like folk are there's someone's got a copy of iRobot sitting down their couch. <laughs> They've racked up a fifty dollar like fine over the years or anything like that. Like it's quite impressive to see that how that $52 million is actually comprised. Uh-huh. It's quite impressive. Um, but yeah, Blockbuster, it's the last time we spoke about the Wii shop and how, or the Wii store and how that fell apart. Um, so people think Blockbuster no longer exists. There are two stores still standing today. Now, I've seen some memes about one of these stores. It, one is in a place called Bend, Oregon, uh, in the States, and another one's like a franchise in Australia somewhere. Um, I mean, I've, so I've got a thing from USA Today, and it's a, a woman who works in the store being, like, uh, interviewed. Okay. And she said uh, she remembers when Netflix came out, quote-unquote, oh man, we need to get ahead of this, she remembers thinking. That, well, you had your chance. I mean, you never talk about... You, you did not get ahead of it, literally. No, they are now very very far behind it so basically a few years ago there were still a couple of shops left in Alaska and uh, in Anchorage I think it is and they're now gone 
Um, oh man! <laughs> so it is in Oregon, and then there's one in Australia, but I can't actually find the location of that. Um, so it's it's um, crazy that they're still open. Like, why are they still allowed to be open? Like, what the hell? People, people will still go. There'll still be people who have like VCRs and stuff. Yeah, but it's just wild that it's still. It must it be like a wee time capsule. It must be just like stepping back. Like, because like if there's only one, like they don't have. They just must go buy DVDs themselves and then <laughs> rent those out, like because Blockbuster aren't a company to send them DVDs. Uh-huh. Like, that's just—it's a bit weird. It must—it must just be like a wee throwback to life before Netflix. Wow! Surely it makes money, or they I wouldn't do it. Even if it broke, even I think yeah. people would maybe want to keep it open for I, sentiment. I, I think from for a total like the sentiment of it, I think that I think you that folk would um, go to like I think if I was in Alaska and one was open, like you would go and visit just for a laugh to go and see. Oh, I, I know they were selling T-shirts at one point. I like the the last blockbuster in the world or something. Yeah, like and it was like, um, but were they not also auctioning off like um, like staff polo shirts and stuff like that? Aye, that will pr- probably be to try and keep it open. I think that's what it was as uh, a way for them to raise funds. So, it's another again we've started a sh- we've started a show where a company that has sort of well, not, well the Wii store didn't like wasn't a company of its in its own right. Nintendo are thankfully still doing quite well. They are all right. They'll be fine. Um, but yeah, we'll take a wee quick break here. Are we thinking, and then we'll yeah, get on to why not? Let's take a wee break, right? What do you want? What sound? How do you want us to take a break? Uh, Tell you what, we'll have a sombre bit of silence from our good pals, Blockbuster. Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again So we're back. <laughs> How you doing, man? Uh, I am alright. I'm good. Right. Um, so, we've spoken about Blockbuster in the first half and the sort of the history behind streaming. We said before that we'll talk about streaming services we've spoken about netflix in a bit of detail and stuff so the thing i just want to ask rather than sitting chatting about like a business failing or how an actual company's working is there anything on netflix that you have watched lately that you would recommend that you've enjoyed what a decision to make to talk about that fantastic um i am the worst person to ask this question because i just watch old stuff uh, now, when I say old stuff, I don't mean like 70s and 80s. I'm watching Mad Men. I never watched it first time round. I've never seen it. Um, I'm loving it. I'm on like season four. It's about this guy played by um, John Hamm. Uh, Don Draper, his name is. And he is the creative director of an advertising company in the 50s and 60s. You know, typical guy, married, kids, smokes all the time, drinks all the time thinks he's a hot shot, you know, they're doing creative stuff for like Kodak, Gillette, all these companies and it's all about the kind of the inter-office politics, um, there's scandals, there's cheating, there's affairs, there's um, just, it's got everything, it's it's a really good slow burner but really dramatic show. This is a thing, right, and this this makes me sound and obviously we've we've been trying to appeal to some American listeners, see certain American TV series. Uh-huh. They really, really bug me because some of them are really slow burners. I mean, I, some TV shows are just really bad, man. I think I, I get that as well. It's not an American thing. I know, but I get it. But see, see, like 
even like comedy series and stuff where they'll eke it out for like 25 episodes a season you're like why not just condense well yeah it's a very British thing just to have 10, 12, 13 episodes at, at the most like it seems like the, the Office is a good example because they took it abroad and I know the, the American Office is massively popular uh, but I just the, the, the British one to me is just it's nice and you've upset everyone it's concise you've upset I know everyone I've upset everyone but think about this right so The Office UK 12 episodes 2 specials right so four, okay. 14 episodes and it, think about how high regard how highly regarded it still is as a TV series okay people still talk about it because obviously Ricky Gervais is still in the public eye but people still talk about how good The Office is and everything about it is designed to be mundane. Yes. They, they, they've, I've watched interviews about it. They hired actors and actresses who didn't, they said we didn't want anybody who looked particularly like nice. Yep. It's handbags and the glad drags. It's set in slow in England in a paper making company. As I said, 14 episodes, so it keeps everything nice and just concise. You could watch it in a couple of days, you'd have a great time doing it, and then you could quote it for the rest of your life. The Office USA, 201 episodes. But I don't look at The Office and think that it ever ran out of puff or ever ran out of ideas. I think they were taking the concept of a really good British show that was very highly regarded and they, they changed the format of it. It's like saying a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is spun out. I don't consider I'd a show like that spun out because each episode just lives in its own wee world and the characters are silly. Like, I would consider it as I like a Brooklyn show. Nine-Nine, right? I, and it's a very I, similar show. I, I quite like episodes. it. Overrated, but heavily but it's overrated. Funny. It's funny. But people, people go on about shows like that as if, oh my God, it's the the best and most funny thing that's ever been on telly it's not no chance no but I would say that shows like The Office in Brooklyn Nine-Nine I consider to be a nice half hour 20 minute episode that gets you away from the kind of mon- if you're living a mundane life or whatever or you're <laughs> oh, not is it getting deep life. now no 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 it's not that's not what I mean but it's like I think there's a lot of TV shows which are serious a lot of TV shows which are just outright funny but I just see as um a show like uh, The Office US or Brooklyn Nine-Nine to be a way to switch off. Aye. You're not having to think Aye. too hard. No, I, know, like, I know what you mean. Like, like, like it's the, easy, the, easy watching. Like the UK Office is a show that you can appreciate for its humour because of its mundaneness and stuff like that. But it's not... I suppose you have to think about you that. You have to think about that and it's also just not as accessible I, I rea- as the US I realise that... I agree with what you're saying, but I can also understand the practicalities of when they were moving it to an American network, why they made of it co- the way it Of was. course, I understand it, oh, and obviously I'm massively obviously biased prefer, on this. And you prefer the UK, which uh, is totally fair. Um, but I can appreciate, what I'm saying is, I can appreciate both for what they are. Uh, no, I, I get I get that it's a, to be able to... It's not like Grace Point, where they literally remade Broadchurch. Oh, the, the in-betweeners. The US in-betweeners. Well, have you seen Grace Point? I have not. So Grace Point is literally Broadchurch. David Tennant is in it. Is he? It's set in Can- <laughs> like it's set in America. Is Olivia Coleman in it? No. Is David Tennant playing an David American Tennant. character? No, da- yeah, well, David Tennant's playing an American character, but it, he's still the same character. 
still the police investigator. The troubled police investigator yeah. with an alcohol problem who yeah. steals out over beaches. Yeah. And take, yeah, but it's, so it's literally the exact same programme, exact same ending, just in America. See, I don't like that. Um, but and, and I get that see being able to take something that happened in 14 episodes and then get 201 episodes out of it, that is a skill in itself. It I just is. find it quite protracted and I can't actually... Just looking at the poster for Grace Point, that's that's embarrassing. Hi man. I mean, I watched it and was just let down because it was just the same programme um, again. You know, and I like Steve Carell as an actor and I think a few of the actors in the office are good in, in the US one. Um, I realise making this argument with the US office is perhaps a mistake. No, I, th- I, I get what you're driving at though. There's a lot of TV shows in America which are probably a lot more hit and miss that have been on for too long. Every season's too long. And at the end of the day, Do you know what any, any kind of charm or wit that it had just gets rubbed away by studios wanting to overrun it. And it's, it and it's, 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 it's money. Obviously, it's money driven. Like like, it would remind me of 30 Rock. I would think of 30 Rock as a TV show Rock. that. Alec Baldwin? Aye. Aye. I didn't particularly enjoy it in the first place. But then they made Aye, it tons just, of it. It and just I gets like, ridiculous. Yeah. Like there's certain programs. Like, see how I met your mother as well. What a disappointment. Like Can we not talk about that? It's too soon, man. It's too soon. Still too soon. Still too soon. So they basically say, Oh, he's he's not gonna end up where no, no, he's no, not no, gonna no, end no, up. Don't, don't spoil it for anyone that's not oh, don't spoil it for anyone that's not seen it. Hypocrite. If you have not seen the ending of How I Met Your Mother, watch the first eight seasons. Watch Everything up until the last episode on season nine. Is it nine seasons? I want to say it's nine seasons. I think it's ten. It ran for ten years, so it might be nine seasons over ten years. Watch everything up until the last episode. What you think is the ending in your head? Is a better ending than the actual ending. So don't watch the last one. No. It's a real letdown. It's really annoying. Really gutting. But that was an American TV show that had ten seasons and a lot of episodes. And I, I loved that. It was a great show. I thought it was good. I think it started to become... They relied a wee bit too much towards the end on things that had happened before. Like, I think, see, so obviously Friends, for me, is the, the yardstick. Um, Friends had that great sort of ability at the end. to So, like, so I, I adapted as the characters grew older and adapted, whereas I feel the people on How I Met Your Mother were the same characters, but they just looked 10 years older. Really? I didn't think there was a lot of character development in it. I mean... I think you had Marshall and Lily who obviously get married. Get married. Um, but like, do you know? No, in, in terms of obviously they get married and they have relationships. But do you mean how they act? And Aye, they, they, the they don't they actually think. mature as individuals. Yeah, things happen to them, but at the end of the day, they were still the same people. Uh-huh. Whereas in Friends, they've still got the essence of that person who's there and they developed them really well. The relationships developed really well. Everything sort of felt as if it came to a natural conclusion. Yeah, I totally get um, that. And then, like, Big Bang Theory. No. I totally... No, I've not watched gone. that show in about five years. Rubbish. So, yeah, I get what you're saying about a lot of these kind of Comedy Central series, like Two and a Half Men, I would consider. Uh, too another far. American show where they took it too far. But a lot of the originals and the likes of Netflix and Amazon Prime, you know, I think there's a, f- a lot of fantastic TV. Can I just a ask as well? So basically TV. what I had seen on Netflix that prompted me to ask this question was the uh, the Ted Bundy tapes. I've not watched it yet, but... 
I seen your tweet about it. Uh-huh. That is basically, and I enjoyed it, right? Because obviously, Ted Bundy is a very intriguing person, just in his entirety. But basically, the show goes, "Oh, you know, he did this horrible thing, but uh, it was good looking boys." You know, I mean, uh, and then it would be like, and then oh, he's he's done this other horrible thing, and then they would get somebody on and go, "I bet." See when he wore that suit, man. He looked good when he wore that suit, didn't he? And that that's like the full show. Uh but then towards the end they kinda get into it a wee bit more and try and delve into his psychology and the way he acted. And then it gets quite good. And then the other thing I've watched recently that I really enjoyed was Evil Genius. So that's two four part documentaries that are an hour long. That I that's all you need. Loved it. And they've not done any more than that. Brilliant. And they know that they didn't have to do any more than that. Um, but yeah, I don't want I don't want any of our listeners to leave this podcast thinking that we don't enjoy American television. No, it's not that I don't enjoy American television. You just think that there's specific American TV shows that aren't the best, yeah. It's the same with British te- television. There I is think, the good I, I and think, the bad. I think that the British television channels actually don't have the same incentive to produce original content as well, they I do think in America. That, I think the BBC maybe has a lot to do with that because they don't have like unlimited budgets. Yeah, because they're what you've got Luther, Sherlock, Doctor Who, and then it I'm just goes struggling. into police dramas and stuff like that, um, Casualty, all that type of the stuff. Six-part comedy series that isn't that good. Yeah, but the the actual original content that they create is is now very limiting. Uh, whereas you go into Netflix and it's like Breaking Bad, How I Met Your Mother, as we said, bad bad ending, but everything else about it was brilliant. Um, I've been I watched Designated Survivor. I really like Daredevil, The Thick of It. Would which you recommend Designated show. Survivor? Um, if you want to turn your brain off and don't actually think about the politics, it's fantastic. It's really <laughs> cheesy and American, and Aye. it's just America. The, th- the Thick of which It. Is fun. The Thick of It. That's. That's the one. You like that. Ah. Black Mirror, which was obviously a Channel 4 original drama, now being produced by Netflix. Um, Black Mirror's one of those that sort of each episode exists in its own. Yeah, a lot of people consider... um, They associate uh, Black Mirror as like the Twilight Zone, as in every episode is its own. It's in its own world. It's a modern equivalent. It's a modern uh, version. Uh, But I I think there's a lot of good um, wee television shows. So, aye. There's good. plenty going on. Plenty going so on. I like Power. Power's good. Master of None. Have you seen Master of None? I have not. Genuinely one of my f- my favourite Netflix original series, Master of None. Master of None. <laughs> Could not recommend that show to you enough. It's hilarious. 10 out of 10 would watch it's again. Witty, and it's a comedy that you actually have to think about. It's a comedy that you can associate with. Aye. 10 out of 10. 11 out of 10. I think we should wrap up today's podcast. Master that of recommendation, oh. Master of None. Very much like us, Jack of all trades, Master, Master of, of None. none. Okay, uh, so Peter, if the lovely listeners want to get in touch with us, what do they do? So if you want to get in touch with us with some positive feedback, <laughs> you can leave a five-star review on iTunes. Just look up Technically Speaking and you'll find us, if you're not already listening to us through iTunes. If you want to get in touch to ask a question, you can do that through visiting our website. That's technicallypod.co.uk. Alternatively, if you just want to shoot an email straight to our inbox, if that's easier for you, it's hello at technicallypod.co.uk. Is that all right, Al? Just see you smirking. You'd be like, hello. What a hello I've got, f- I've got my phlegm in my throat, all right? Um, 
And we're also on social media. I'm still trying to do a fair wee bit on social media, trying to get folk listening. So if you're a new listener, thank you for joining us. Thank you for making it through this episode. Thank I you. really appreciate it. Um, but yes, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, that's just at Technically Pod. Yeah. Um, we want to thank Anchor for helping us produce this show. Uh, they make it really easy for us. And yeah, we really do look forward to uh, coming back into your your ears at some point for episode 20. Episode 20. Enjoy your Valentine's evening, however you spend it. Yes, and uh, uh, next time you hear us, this podcast will be a teen no longer. That's it. That. Thank, right. you Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.